Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Riverfront. This is episode number 416 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, which is insane. Joining me again this week, Nate Dotson. How are you, Nate? Chad, Chad Wick, Wick, Steve, <laughs> listeners and viewers, uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm ready to, ready to talk some Reds. There's some stuff. Thank you. Out. I should have announced uh, my, my name. My, my name is, uh, is Chad, Chad Dotson, although my full first name is Chadwick. And so I'm thinking maybe I should start going by Wick at this point because our guest again this week from redreporter.com, Wick Terrell. How are you, Wick? Yeah, I'm good. And I'm actually technically not a Wick. Uh, the Wick does come from Wickliffe instead of Chadwick, though, uh, which is a family name on my mom's side, but it's actually not part of my name because technically I'm a Daniel because I'm named after my dad, but he already had that name. So they needed a nickname for me. And there is where Wick comes from. So, but happy to be back. Thank you for having me. So, so what you're saying is I'm the only actual wick on this yeah, show right now. You are. Oh, you are. Exciting. Terribly exciting. Never thought of myself as a wick, but I, <laughs> but I like it. So this has been an interesting week for the Cincinnati Reds in uh, a myriad ways. I mean, just I'm not sure what they're doing. We're going to try to uh, unpack it a little bit here today. They, you know, they make some moves that you just don't know what's going on. And then, you know, they make some moves that you're like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. But why in the context of what you just did? So... We'll talk about all that. Uh, I guess, you know, I, I, I told you what we were going to talk about for, um, first. And I'm going to switch it up a little bit because of the, the late night signing on uh, on Wednesday. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and announce this is our, uh, I want to get it off the, off the top of the show here. We've been talking for many, many months now about doing a billboard. <laughs> Hashtag, hash brown sell the team, Bob. And, you know, it was it started as a joke and, well, then we said, well, you know, Nate, uh, Nate coordinated some, some T-shirts that uh, many of you purchased. And if you still want them, sell the Team Bob T-shirts, riverfrontcincy.com. And we said, all right, we'll sell these things and we'll say all the proceeds are going to go towards putting up a billboard urging Bob Cassidy to sell the Reds. And so, and other people have been, uh, many of you have been encouraging us to put up a, uh, to uh, do a GoFundMe for this. And so guess what? We're announcing here. The Selva Team Billboard Fund, and it's basically going to be the logo that's on the uh, on the T-shirts. And uh, GoFundMe, hash, see, www.gofundme slash f slash sell the team Bob Billboard. Look on your screen there. If you're not watching, we'll link. Uh, link if you're just listening, we'll link it on um, our social channels. Um, it, yeah, the money that all the money we get from the T-shirts and from this GoFundMe is going to go towards putting up. We have a we have a quote from a local. The first billboard company we went to said they didn't want to make the Reds mad. Oh. And I know, right? The second one says, "Okay, here's our price," and so we have a price. Uh, we'll be completely above board with everyone about that. Every dollar we make is going to go towards this, and none of it's going to go into my pocket. Um, we may toss a couple buck, wick, bucks uh, wicks away, but that's all. I'll take them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so Nate, uh, you've been able to coordinate all this. Any thoughts about the uh, Sell the Team Bob Billboard Fund? Um, just that we're pretty excited about it. A uh, huge shout out to um, a member of the Patreon family, Joe Farfsing, who has been instrumental in getting this organized. And uh, you know, he's one of the contact of the, the company who's going to set it up. It's going to be a digital billboard. It's going to run for four weeks, it sounds like. And apparently it's just going to get tens and tens and tens of thousands of eyeballs on it. Every single day, there's some rumors that it may or may not be on Mr. Uh, Castellini's daily commute, assuming he commutes daily. Um, <laughs> we think that it's, uh, it's just a really cool opportunity to finally get this message across and at the very least, let 
you know, make it clear, make it abundantly clear to everybody that this is how Cincinnati feels, and hopefully we can uh, get the support and make it happen. We're pretty uh, pretty pumped. Yeah, yeah. Wick, I don't expect you to have any thoughts about it, but if you do, here's your chance. Yeah, this this got sprung on me right before we started talking. I'm I'm soaking it <laughs> in. I'm 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 really intrigued. I really am, honestly. It's one of those things that uh uh, both both the concept of it and the commitment to it, also that there's one billboard company locally who doesn't want to anger the Reds, is just the most Cincinnati thing of all time. So that kind of cracks me up, also. But uh, no, I think it's um, it's abundantly clear that there is ample support behind this, um, and if there's enough support to do it, which I'm pretty sure there's going to be in uh, very short order, uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm thoroughly excited to see it. Yeah, I hope I hope that everyone puts the money where their their mouth is uh, on this one because I, I don't know it's a fun thing and obviously Bob Castellini needs to sell the Reds. But let's talk about the the baseball, which is what we're really here for and what what we care about uh, most, which is what's going on in the field. And we had a bunch of things, or a bunch of signings. But before we do that, I want to lead off with the discussion of some injuries, uh, injury news this week because it's been a, it's been quite frustrating. I think um, the fact that the Reds have intentionally, uh, you know, uh, made their roster a little bit, uh, let's just say the depth is not what we uh, had hoped it would be. And now some injury problems are cropping up. First, of course, is Luis Castillo, um, probably the the top, uh, the top start on the team. Certainly, I think by uh, consensus, Luis Castillo, sore shoulder, uh, not going to be ready for the start of the season. Uh, same with Mike Miner, the recently acquired, we'll talk more about him in a moment, but the recently acquired, uh, Wade Miley clone, uh, sore shoulder, not going to be ready for opening day. And then, of course, the one I know that, that Wick, that you're most uh, irritated about, which is Justin Dunn. I know you're a big Justin Dunn fan. Justin Dunn was hurt last year, and he's going to be hurt again this year. What's that all about? Yeah, I actually had a chance to hop on uh, with uh, runredreporter.com, which is under the SB Nation network, our sister site, Lookout Landing, which does – tremendous work they literally have 17 articles a day coming out that are all incredible i got a chance to hop on their podcast and kind of do like a rapid reaction after that trade went down and um for as much as 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 brady williams it was clearly the centerpiece and why the reds went out and made that trade uh two of the folks on that podcast were very very high on done still and uh you know obviously he comes with a pedigree of being a, a very high draft pick and whatnot and it's kind of had mixed results but um, they kind of talked me into being more excited about him than I had been up until that point, um, as one does. I'm sure I was doing the same thing with Winker and Suarez and and all all the cash that was going their way, too. It sounded like great cash to them. Um, but it was one of those things where I walked away. I was like, OK, so maybe Justin Dunn. Let's 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 see how he fits into this, because there's obviously going to be opportunity for him. And now there's not an opportunity for him because he's not going to be around the pitch for months, I guess, is what they said. So, um yeah, it's another one of those instances where the Reds made a trade where you're not going to see the return anywhere close to immediately. And I think that's uh, that's going to be a big, big bummer given what they gave up to get the return they got back. As, as good as Williams looks also, I don't think he's on the opening day roster. So you're going to have to wait to see all the arms of that trade for, for an extended period of time. And uh, yeah, add to the fact that it's a guy who was hurt with the said injury last year. And you're like, all right, uh, what are we doing here? Yeah, no, yeah. Again, I'm I'm perfectly willing to believe that Justin Dunn um, is a, a a real talent, and if healthy, can can contribute here. But we have to understand the Reds. Maybe the part of the reason that he was in, invo- involved in this trade, or the Reds uh, were able to acquire him, is that he didn't pitch after June 17 last year, and now it's it is going to be months, a few months 
with a shoulder injury this year. So, um, meanwhile, Jesse Winker is very likely going to be uh, hitting baseballs very hard in Seattle in the meantime. Um, I, you know, what are you going to say? Luis Castillo, hopefully back soon. The other one, uh, Nate, I'll ask you about this one. The other one I had, uh, oh, that really kind of, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but uh, upset me is not the, the right word. But when I saw it coming, I, I thought, oh, here we go again. But And it's Jose Barrero, Jose, red shortstop Jose Barrero. And I was just hopeful he was going to surprise everyone and take shortstop over some other guy. Uh, and now Barrero going to miss at least six weeks. Had surgery, I think a handmade injury in his left uh, hand, left wrist. And so he's going to be gone for a while. What do you think about uh, Jose Barrera? What does it mean for the for the Reds going forward? Yeah, this one kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit. Um, there hasn't been a lot of reason for optimism. Things I've been excited about seeing this season uh, since all these, you know, this flurry of trades. But Jose Barrera was one of them. And I think we all kind of had the suspicion that the Reds front office and coaching staff was looking for any opportunity they could to make Kyle Farmer the everyday shortstop. And this is not, you know, I'm not trying to hate on Kyle Farmer at all, but yeah, it's Kyle Farmer season for sure. Um, I think we all thought Barrero had a chance to take that position, take that spot and run with it. And instead we're just going to keep waiting. And I guess I just really, really hope that when he is healthy and back that he is able to get plugged in there and gets that opportunity that we were hoping for. And another thing that worries me a bit is that, um, a lot of people that have the same in- injury, it takes them a year or more to really get their power back. So, you know, a young guy who's still developing, you just hope that there isn't any, uh, you know, bigger issues or consequences as a result. Yeah, no question. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I was always holding out hope that Barrera would have a spot in the open day lineup. You know, I don't know. Um, I, 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 it sounds, Nate, a little bit like you're criticizing my shortstop, though. Kyle Farmer is my shortstop. He always has been. He, he Kyle Farmer is, uh, I mean, really, let's be honest. If we're going to be honest here, and we always are on this show, he's really Barry Larkin light. I mean, if, if we're being serious. So I'm okay. I'm okay with this. I, did, I, I was never all in on Jose Barrow. And I, Wick, I know you, you're similar. You're you're big, big Kyle Farmer fan. You know, Kyle Farmer's fine if he's. He is uh, fine. He's If he's your. Eighth or ninth best starter, he's fine. You know, it's just that when he's your, he's going to bat third. Um, ah, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, with, with 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 Barrero. I I I sent a tweet out about it, um, which I kind of was like, ah, yeah, I'll hit it around on that one. Um, I, I invoked Nixon Zell, you know, and. Uh, the last oh, time no. the Reds had a top prospect that they jerked around and moved positions and asked him to do stuff that he wasn't wasn't what he did, and then he got hurt, and then he got blocked, and now we're looking at a DL stint, and you know the whole lockout thing didn't help him, the 2020 thing didn't help him, all that stuff, and I'm like, okay, well, there's a big money signing. He's been around for a while. Now he's 24. Now he's coming off a handmade injury. Like, when are we going to see him 100 again? Are they going to give the shortstop job to Kyle Farmer? We can see him in center field, which he's never played before. Like all these things, it's just like, why do the Reds keep doing this, man? Just put Nixon's all third, put Jose Barrera at shortstop, and let him play. Like I, you know, I'm not saying that's the cause of why he hurt his handmade. It happens to a lot of people. I believe Tommy Pham had a similar injury a year ago. It happens to a lot of players, and 
they get over it eventually, but it's something that sets them back for a while beyond just the the, the surgery and the time off. Um, it just seems to me like it's it's they're walking a very tight rope down, um, wasting another year of him. And then you look up and he's 25, and I'm like, all right, well, yeah, 25 is still young, but what happened to 22, 23, 24? You know, so um, frustrating for sure, especially given all the other moves they made and the fact that they have very few people who can hit left-handed pitching and he projected to be one of them. Um, not exactly the ideal situation for him to be hurt given all the other stuff around him. Right. I, you know, and I wish you hadn't mentioned uh, Nixon Zell. Uh, I know. Because I hadn't I really thought about it in those terms, but <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a legitimate comparison. I mean, this is, I had this, I've had this two or three different seasons with Senzel where I'm like, okay, this is the year. If he can just, you know, this, he's got, there's an opportunity here. Uh, and that's the way it was with Barrero. If he could come out and win that position, then he's the red shortstop for the next, you know, eight years or something. Uh, I've got some good news for you. This is Senzel's year. <laughs> well, I'm seeing some, uh, you know, talk. He's in the best shape of his life. You know? Spring training doesn't matter at all, but he has been raking so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, if he can just stay healthy, I, I still, always, I still will still feel like he's going to at least be above average if he can just stay healthy. But I'm at the point where I'm just not sure that's going to happen. But you, uh, yeah, and now we're, so go ahead. What's that? It's a two weeks point, and this is the first time it seems like in a while where Sinzel he has a position. He's going out there every day as a center fielder, not bouncing around, and you know, you, you got to move different ways every position, so it increases that likelihood of getting hurt. So I'm super, super optimistic on the, your 2022 comeback player of the year. I, I was very much on the same boat as well. And then the Reds went out and started signing like every right-handed outfielder they could possibly bring in over the last three days. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You know, just give the guys yeah. some time, some space. And we're not expecting 95 wins this year. Just don't, don't overlap him. Play him against right-handed pitching also and just let him go, you know. But we'll see. We'll see. Well, that's the thing with, with Sinzel and with Barrero, if he were healthy. You know, uh, the Reds have a team this year where they, ha- it, 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 they could afford – to let these guys have some space to, to show what they can do. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, very, very disheartened by the Barrero news. And I would like him to personally apologize to me for getting injured because I was really counting on him. You know, it, it sounds like every time we talk about Kyle Farmer that we're criticizing the guy, and I feel like I have to add the caveat every single time. You know, Kyle Farmer, I have no problems with Kyle Farmer. You know, if he's your uh, – I, I want him coming off the bench, playing a bunch of different positions, and, you know – I don't have a problem with him on the roster. He was better last year than I expected as a shortstop defensively. Um, his bat was not good. It was kind of in line with what he did, but he had some really high high moments. And so I don't mind having Kyle Farmer, but, man, I just I, – again, we're not talking necessarily about a, a team that's going to compete. Maybe we'll talk more about that later, but um, you have to squint kind of hard to see him competing, and I just, you know. Well, then again, though, last year they were right in the mix all the way through September with Kyle Farmer's or shortstop, so maybe I just – don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know. We already know that. Um, let's talk about the signings this week because this was kind of weird, this just uh, after all the, you know, d- discussion in the last two, uh, week about trading everybody away, the fire sale essentially. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Tommy Pham first, who you w- mentioned a moment ago, Wick. The Reds went out this week and signed Tommy Pham. And uh, first of all, I'm, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm more than okay with it. I'm happy with it. But uh, I want you, if you don't mind, Wick, tell us a little bit about, about what you think about Fam and uh, why should we should be happy that he's a Red, even when we should it should have happened years ago, maybe. But also, can we start to contextualize how this makes sense in the context of what the Reds just did? 
Yeah. So uh, shout out to the Red Reporter comments section for for tipping me off to this train of thought about it, because basically they signed Tommy Pham to the exact amount of money that Jesse Winker would be making this year. So when you think about it in terms of replacing outfield production and your best hitter in the outfield, they basically said, we're going to take Jesse Winker off the roster and give Eugenio Suarez away as the cost of business and then replace Jesse Winker with the same exact salary and Tommy Pham. So in essence, that just adds Tommy Pham's salary on top to Eugenio Suarez for how much money they wanted to spend to get that contract off the roster. Um, in reality, what they've done is they've taken Winker and Castellanos and replaced them with Jake Fraley and Tommy Pham. Um, is that as good? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, is it a lot cheaper? Yeah, it's a heck of a lot cheaper. Um, you know, Fam's the kind of guy who uh, can get on base, has always gotten on base. There was a time where he was a very, very good defender. I think at 34 years old, he's probably going to be just fine, especially if they stick him in left field. He'll be better as a left fielder than anybody the Reds have had recently out there. Uh, but he gets on base. He can crush left-handed pitching. He's always hit well in Great American Ballpark, which, you know, after a year and a half, two years playing in San Diego where – Balls go to die, especially if you play in San Francisco a lot. And even in Dodger Stadium a bunch, the, the West Coast, you don't really get a lot of fringe home runs from a guy who's not necessarily a power threat. I think there's the potential for him to be a 20 home run, 15 stolen base guy, despite the fact he's 34 years old. Uh, that with average defense and 500 plus plate appearances, that's a good player. That's a good player for the contract they signed him. Um, again, you know, it would have been great if, much like what we said with Cal Farmer, if he's your eighth best player, you're fine. If Tommy Pham was your fifth best player, you're a really good team. And I think that's where he would have kind of slotted in the last couple of years. Now he's like, is that your second best hitter? Is that really the second best hitter on the team? And where does that slot everybody else around him? Um, on top of that, how the Reds choose to juggle the – it's a crowded mix. It's not an, uh, a crowded mix of elite hitters, but with Fraley and Shogo <laughs> and Sinzel and Naquin and, and Tommy Pham now, it's like how are they going to play all those guys? Are they going to platoon him? Uh, I don't think they'll platoon Fam, but that means they might platoon some of the other guys. Aquino's in there as well, out of options. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to juggle all of this, but I feel like there's just something screaming at me. And we mentioned uh, off air before, uh, I was trying to figure out the opening day roster. Um, I, it feels to me like there's one more shakeout move that the Reds are going to make with this outfield before opening day. And I don't know what it's going to be, but I feel like for a team that was so – reticent to spend any sort of money this offseason for them to go out and get fam who was a clear need for a team that wants to win something this year there's got to be something else that's going to shake loose between now and opening day and you know are they going to eat shogo's contract i don't know are they going to package him with another good prospect to get him off the books i don't know but it feels like there's something else there that's going to have to kind of help define what this fan move is but in a vacuum good hitter good right-handed hitter, which they desperately need against left-handed pitching, and a step down from what Castellanos brought to the table last year, but if he's your right-handed hitter in the outfield, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, you know, I think you talk about whether they're – I don't know that I, don't know that I uh, disagree with a single thing that was just said and that I don't know that I can improve on, upon that, but I will say that th what strikes me is you talk about uh, is there another move coming, you know, what's – and, and – um, to me, I, I think that may give the Reds more credit than I'm willing to give them, that there's some kind of an actual strategy that they're uh, – I mean, the whole point about the fact that Jesse Winker 
was going to make roughly the same thing in arbitration as, uh, and they knew this as uh, Tommy Pham. And I like Tommy Pham. I mean, he's, you know, again, 34. It's not, you know, uh, he's not going to be as good as he once was, but I'm happy to have Tommy Pham on the Reds, especially given the way this has all happened. It's, uh, I just, it smacks of a team that, and a front office that, and I, maybe I'm wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but of just, let's make decisions for today. And then tomorrow we'll see where we are and whatever comes, you know, uh, comes through the door. Okay. We'll, we'll see. You know, I just, I don't sense any, uh, any strategy, any, uh, any plan here. It's just, um, I, I don't know what the, what the right term is, but that's, I, I don't, I don't see a strategy. Nate, any, any thoughts about that? Um, I, I was going to touch on what you just brought up. Um, like you guys have said, it's a good signing. Our, our baseball club is better today than it was the day before. And, um, you know, it's probably the biggest signing we've had since Castellanos in 2020. You get a guy who's going to, you know, if we get 150 games, you know, then he's starting to make up for some notorious for spending his time on the, uh, the injury list. But I'm just confused by it. <laughs> like, what, uh, what, where do they think this team is that they go out and sign this guy for one year now? Rose-colored glasses. Let's hope he has a great uh, a great season. Somehow the Reds use one of those two extra playoff spots and find a way to contend. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's likely. But it's just another one of those really, really confusing moves in a in an offseason of extremely confusing moves. See, like To me, it, it reeks of like Bob Castellini told Nick Crawl, you have to slash $50 million from the payroll, and if you do, I'll give you some money to spend. Yeah. And it's like, it's like the only way to get from 50 to 25 is to subtract 50 and then add 25 back and not just subtract 25. And it's like, they did it. And he was like, Hey, you did it. Here's $20 million to spend. And the hell kind of strategy is that, but that's what it feels like. Right. I mean, and even some of the quotes that he's come out with have basically said that and I don't know if he meant for them to sound like that, but that's exactly what it sounded like that, you know, the only way to get from 130 to 100 is to go to 80 and then add 20 back. And <laughs> I don't understand that. I mean, I, we've, we've tried for a while to speculate, like did they literally have a cash flow problem and like couldn't pay guys for a month and had to get them off the roster. And now that the season's back and lockouts over, they think they can have revenue for April and they can sign guys again. I, I don't, I don't know, but there's, something very odd about just being content with, Oh, we're going to spend a little here and we got to get rid of these guys. And yeah, we're not really going to win, but we're not really going to lose. Like, it's just not a, it's not a strategy. It's um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> strategy changes day to day, depending on the whims of whoever is uh, controlling the purse strings. I mean, that's, that's what it looks like. Do we have inside knowledge about that? No, but that's, uh, that's clearly what it looks like. Because it, there's no way I think that you can look at all of the Reds' moves uh, since the season ended, going back to you know letting Wade Miley walk. Um, there's no way you can look at this series of moves and say there is some uh, you know, cognizable strategy here to improve the team long term. And if there is one, I want to hear what it is because I don't know it, and it just um, it, it concerns me for the uh, the future of the uh, of the organization but I've just decided you know I'm just gonna laugh and enjoy the baseball we get the Reds are not gonna be the worst team in the league this year I don't think and so I'm just gonna smile and try to enjoy it but I'm a little concerned about one thing which is that Wick suggested 
that Nick Crawl may have said something and, and it didn't really communicate it well. Uh, and Nate, I know you disagree with that. Nick, Nick Crawl's good at talking, right? Yeah, I don't think that's fair of you to say. <laughs> yeah, I disagree. <laughs> All I know is that All right. if the strategy is going to change, uh, depending on which way the wind is blowing, I hope it keeps blowing the way it was yesterday when they signed Tommy Pham because more of those moves will uh, make me a happy boy. Yeah, I mean, I would like to have had Pham a few years ago. I think Wick said that before we went on the air. Certainly, he's a guy that could have helped the Reds. I mean, he, he does some things that the Reds have needed for, for a little while. Um, but I like when they make moves that make the team better. Well, they made another move they had- the, the, you know, the same day. They made another move that made the team better, Hunter Strickland. How much better does it make the team? I mean, we had a really terrible bullpen, and he's not a terrible reliever. <laughs> that's a that's a low bar to cross, but yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use I'm going to use the Kyle Farmer uh, uh, quotient here again and say, if Hunter Strickland's your sixth best reliever, you probably have a pretty good bullpen. If he's your <laughs> best, or Lucas Sims is hurt, uh, best or second best reliever, um. You better hope your starters go deep into games, but now the Reds yeah. have no starters either. I, you know, I, I like the Strickland move. I think he was good last year. He's been around. He's won a World Series before. He's a guy that, for the money, it makes sense. Like good bullpens have guys like Hunter Strickland. Good bullpens have a lot of other guys like Hunter Strickland too, and the Reds don't. So, um, you know, the bullpen's one of those things that, you know, we think back to when all of this, you know financial crisis mode that the Reds went into starting. It started before last year. I mean, it started with the bullpen when they basically said, we got to slash somewhere. Let's keep the big names and get rid of Rysel Iglesias and cut Archie Bradley and pretend like we don't need a bullpen. Um, And how much that cost the Reds early last year. Um, Is it, is it wild to suggest that if they had one of, if not both of those guys that, you know, going into the, the trade deadline last year, they would have been in a better position to a not have to spend the, the five million bucks they had on uh, Wilson and Sessa and, and Michael Givens and actually go get something else to help. Um, but b also be with more wins in the win column to where they would have been more aggressive. I, you know, this all started with the bullpen, and it's easy to overlook the bullpen when you've got a great lineup which the Reds had and great starting pitching with the Reds had. But they've cut back on both of those areas and still not addressed the bullpen. And, um, you know, that's – even if some of the moves that, that they've made pan out, even if Jake Fraley ends up hitting right-handed pitching well and benefits from being great American ballpark, even if Nick Senzel stays healthy and Tommy Pham is turning back the clock a couple of years, uh, are we going to look up and say, God, this bullpen just keeps giving games away again because it's the one area that they just like – pretend like nobody notices that they haven't spent money there. And so uh, with Strickland, back to the, the the point of my my ramble here, I like the signing. I think he's got a chance to be good this year, but it's like how much how much are they going to put on some just random guys back there and hope it works, you know? Yeah, no criticisms of the, the Strickland signing. But, yeah, you think about last year, if the Reds have uh, Iglesias and Bradley, well, then, you know, Lucas Sims and, uh, you know, T.J. Antone are your, you know, third, fourth, fifth best relievers. And all of a sudden, it's a completely different team because how many games did the, did the bullpen lose? So, um, you know, uh, how how many times can this team take six steps backwards and then we get happy about taking two steps forward? <laughs> You know, that's sort of where we are as, as Reds fans. But then again, you know, uh, we, the Reds did sign uh, another relief pitcher, Kyle Zimmer, 
Outfielder, Albert Almora. Utility guy, Brandon Drury. Listen, the Reds are playing on the free agent market, and I don't know why you all are criticizing them. I'm excited. Oh, boy. I'm not going to make any of you comment about any of those players unless you <laughs> I was waiting for J.T. Riddle. He's from Central Kentucky, so it was, uh, that's, that's the latest go. super utility signing they brought in. Yeah, um, yeah. Like Terribly they've, exciting. They've, they've crossed out more minor league contracts than uh, yeah, I can remember in recent history. They have not been afraid to sign guys to minor league deals. Oh, they're tossing out minor league deals left and right, baby. Um, let me talk quickly here because I want to give Nate a chance here. But two guys that looked re- – and well, both of you, but uh, Nate, one of these guys especially. Two guys looked really good this uh, this week out in spring training. The first is Nate's got Graham Ashcraft. I don't know. Like, is he going to be uh, – can we count on him and um, yeah? Who else in, in the bullpen? You know, um, Reaver San Martin. I mean, we're going to get some guys that didn't contribute last year that can maybe help. I don't know, but Graham Ashcraft is is on your radar, right, Nate? Oh yeah, Graham's my boy. He had a uh, you know a bit of a rough outing this last time. I said on the twitters that he uh, was endearing himself to Reds fans by plunking back to back Cubbies. But I still thought it was encouraging. The stuff was there. He um, only gave up one run, and we can. It's pretty training, so you know, grain of salt with everything. But when you can go out there and still put up zeros when you obviously don't have your best stuff, that's not a bad sign. But I think a lot of these, uh, you know, we got the expanded rosters, 20, you know, 28 players to start the season. I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, ups and downs and people getting opportunities that normally wouldn't. And I hope that some of these guys like, uh, you know, Ashraf get a chance to break camp and show us what they got. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what they're planning with him. But the other guy, and I'll ask you a week about this guy because I'm not allowed to talk about him anymore. It's uh, Hunter Green. Uh, looking pretty good. I mean, you know, or, what, what what's reasonable to expect from Hunter Green this spring or you know, this uh, this season? Yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I always have to, like, you say his name, and I'm, like, back in the front of my chair, like, ready to, like, go in and talk about Hunter Green. But I'm like, all right, take a deep breath. He's thrown 106.1 innings yeah. professionally since 2018. That's it. And that's 2018 was not yesterday, uh, as my back tells me every morning when I wake up. Um, you know, he's just now still 22 years old. I I think Hunter Green is going to have a very good chance to participate on the big league roster for, I don't want to say maybe most, but half of this season, I think is the expectation for him. Um, the fact that he's on the 40-man roster and didn't have a chance to get to Goodyear at the same time as Graham Ashcraft or, or Nicola Delo and uh, had the opportunity to participate from day one when pitchers and catchers were supposed to report uh, because of the lockout. I think, yes, it gives the Reds an, uh, an out clause in having to push him, but I think it's also a pretty realistic out clause for not pushing him as well. Um, you know, of those 106.1 innings pitched, uh, not all of them. It's not like he was up at AAA for all of those either. You know, he's still working his way through uh, the minor leagues, and at 22 years old, is you know, uh, I think what he and Matt McLean, uh, the Reds' first round pick from this past draft, were born on the exact same day. Like they're the is same right? age, the exact same day in Southern California, August 6, 1999, I think, because I, I noticed it a, a couple of months ago. They're the exact same age, and like nobody's clamoring for Matt McLean to be the starting shortstop except for everybody who doesn't like Kyle Farmer. Um, so so yeah, so a lot of people, yeah, right. Um, the point being, I think Hunter Green's going to have the opportunity to be a very good starting pitcher as early as this year, but 
there's no need to rush him. You know, if you signed Tommy Pham before you traded Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez and you kept Sonny Gray and you needed a fifth starter, maybe. But I think that's the rule that I, I think we're going to see Nick Lodolo in to start the season. And I think Hunter Green's going to be not next guy up because that implies that he's behind him on the pecking order. I think he's just behind him on the timeline. And I think the timeline fits more for, you know, and what he's throwing, he's adding the like two innings yet this this spring. Uh, get him some time back in triple A, let him go dominate me himself. And if he is, uh, Reds are going to need pitching pretty soon. Maybe it's first of May, but I think that's the that's the realistic aspect for it. And I try to say that without like that's that's not me like you know, mouthpiecing the front office. I think that's legitimately right. what they should do with him. Yeah, I think it's kind of the, the flip of what uh, I expected if we'd have had a regular offseason and a regular uh, spring training, which is that Lodolo, Lodolo had the injury concerns last year. And so I thought, right. well, Hunter Green's probably going to you know have a little bit of a uh, an edge. I think it's a great point, Wick, um, uh, in a couple of ways. Number one, that uh, Lodolo's a college guy um, and, and Green is still – he's still a kid. He's still a kid, and so um, I did not know that he was. Uh, he and Matt McClain were born on the same day, and I, I've never actually seen those two in the same room together. So I'm because I remember Green was a shortstop in high school as well. So um, the thing that I would call—I don't know—I don't know how much playing. I, I always assumed he would break camp with the Reds, given the way the lockout and all that went. Um, I think uh, Wick's point is probably uh, probably a good one, but I will say this: this has kind of been a refrain on this show for all 416 episodes, which is when he does break camp or when he does come to Cincinnati, be patient with the guy. Rookie pitchers struggle, period. You know, we talk about, we always bring up Greg Maddox, who had a five-point whatever ERA, you know, his first year and a half in in the major leagues. One of the best pitchers of my lifetime. Uh, Be patient with the kid. He has generational talent if he can stay healthy. Oh, please stay healthy, Hunter Green. Uh, But... um, yeah, it's uh, let's not expect him to be Jose Rijo from day one. Nate, any thoughts about about Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, any of those guys? Um, spot on. I do think uh, you know I agree with you. I think Lodolo is going to break camp. He's looked really good this spring. Um, I do want to just quickly touch on somebody that uh, Wick mentioned. If uh, y'all haven't seen any clips or watched any of Matt McClain, the guy does not look like he's very far off. I know another guy. We don't want to rush him, and it takes a while to acclimate. So you know, big league pitching in the rigors of a full season, but he just looks like he was born to be on a baseball field. I am really excited about that guy too. Well, you know what? If we're talking shortstops, Ella De La Cruz. <laughs> I mean, these are a couple guys that don't look like they're very far away, even though they're both uh, incredibly young. Uh, frankly, Frank Sam so. Ellie hit this uh, be two nights ago. Whenever yeah. this is coming out. Are you trying to tell me that there's a plan for why they're moving Jose Barrero off shortstop because they've got other people that are <laughs> behind him ready to take over? Is that what you're saying right now? That's exactly what I'm saying. Nick Crawl has a master plan. <laughs> but it's true that there are some shortstops that are looking awfully good uh, behind Cal Farmer. I, I will say, uh, McClay has really impressed me, no doubt about it. I mean, he was a first-round pick out of high school, too. It's the second time that somebody took him in the first round. Known quantity, but still just keeps – showing why he's a known quantity. Um, I think he gets kind of tabbed that, you know, that, that, that high floor, low ceiling guy, because he's been on everybody's radar for so long, but that's not a bad thing, you know? Right. Give me that guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, like Zach Cozart was a high floor guy and put up what 15 wins for the Reds before hitting free agency. Like, 
awesome. Like that would be tremendous. And McLean looks like he might even be a little bit better than that. So awesome. That sounds fantastic. And uh, I've seen nothing from him so far that suggests he's anything different than that. And um, I'm just interested to see which outfield position the Reds choose to put him in since he's one of their top hitting prospects. And really <laughs> that's what you can do if you can play infield and find out if you can play right field. So, All right. I want you to envision this, guys. We're talking 2025, okay? The Reds are in the uh, the number one seed in the National League, okay? They're you know they win the National Central Division, they're in the National Division Series, starting outfield, left to right, Ellie De La Cruz, Jose Barrero, Matt McClain. That's a good looking outfield. Starting Kyle short Farmer at shortstop. Kyle Farmer at shortstop. This beard will be gray, and Kyle Farmer will be at shortstop. Yes. He's player, yes. player manager, Kyle Farmer. <laughs> right there we go. He's an all-time legend. He'll, he'll be inducted into the uh, Ron Oster wing of the Reds Hall of Fame one of these days. Uh, before we get to some viewer mail questions, I want to mention a, a piece that uh, that Wick has at redreporter.com. And again, go to redreporter.com uh, every day. Fantastic stuff there as always. But uh, Wick tried to do an opening day roster projection. And uh, as he if, was if mentioning... If tried. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and I guess you can you can t- say whatever you want to say about your roster projection, but the uh, the question that I would like you to touch on is, what are the areas here where there's actual controversy, where we we you know um, aren't quite sure who's going to be there? Uh, let's see, backup catcher, backup catcher. Um, you predicted Aramis Garcia, who is a real player. He is a real player. He has hit real home runs in spring this year. Um, I I think. Just because of name brand stuff, Andrew Knapp had been somebody that I kind of just assumed was going to be the backup. That's who uh, I thought. I, I've said it on the show here before, yeah. I think that's oh, more than anything is my nationally bias for one because I watch NL games way more than I've always watched AL games. And even though Garcia came up with the Giants, it was with Oakland post, uh, post-COVID post um, where he really got more playing time recently. But he's, he's looked good in camp. Um, and I kind of forgot how – off a cliff, Nap had fallen. So um, that's that's splitting hairs. That's going to be the 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 non Tyler Stevenson version. Um, also, the non Cal Farmer is potentially backup catcher version of the uh, uh, the roster as we we make this entire podcast about Cal Farmer. Uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but it's also the entire pitching staff. You know, we talked about the uh, the outfield options a little bit earlier when we were talking about Tommy Pham, and there are. A lot of them, all of whom are all kind of like the same tier guys, so you're kind of splitting hairs with that. Uh, but the pitching staff, you know, you lose Wade Miley, you lose Sonny Gray, lose Michael Lorenzen, uh, you lose Givens, and you don't really replace any of those guys. And then you take Lucas Sims, who's your closer slash best reliever, and he's going to start the season on the injured list. And you take Mike Miner, who is the Miley replacement, move him off. Luis Castillo, move him off. And suddenly you're like – Okay, um, what do we have here? And what the Reds do have are several non-roster guys, despite the fact the roster is completely full right now. And it's so full, we still haven't heard the official Tommy Pham announcement at the time of recording, because I don't know if they know what to do with the 41st guy on the roster at this point to get him on there. Um, but you've got guys like Ben Lively, you've got guys like Kyle Zimmer, you've got veteran arms with starting experience who have length. You know, the, the Jeff Hoffmans of this time around uh Hoffman included because he's still there (laughs) you know if you've got new starting pitchers uh and you've got a short and abbreviated spring training for guys who are on the 40-man roster do you bring on a lot of long guys 
with this 28-man roster and keep them on there. And so when it came time for the opening day roster, for me, it wasn't the best roster I could put together after of all the guys in camp. It was how do they try to get to game 15, 16, 18 uh, <laughs> without asking Nick Lodola to go throw eight innings a game every single time. And so that's why some of the names that pop up on my list popped up there because I think they're literally just going to try to tread water as long as they can. The, the the big question I have is this starting rotation. Think of you you're the Reds. You have to pick. We won't even say starting five because early in the year they they won't go with five. But if you're picking just four starting pitchers now, who do we have? It's Tyler Tyler Malley and a cast of thousands. I mean, there's literally no one. I mean, I guess Vlad, Vladimir Gutierrez, obviously, based on what he did last year. And then you're talking uh, Nick Lodolo, Reaver San Martin. I mean. Um, I don't know. Nate, what, what's the starting rotation look like out of the gate? I mean, I guess that's the million-dollar question right now. Um, I think that, uh, obviously, they've announced that Tyler Malley is going to be our opening day starter. I think they'll probably follow him up with uh, Sonny Gray, and then Wade Miley will be the number three three guy in the rotation. And then maybe Castillo will be back by then. So that'll, be, that'll work, yeah. Oh, it's a plan. There's a plan. There's a plan here. So anyway, go go read that piece at uh, at redreporter.com and you know just marvel over the names in that bullpen. The oh man, Kyle Zimmer and our old friend Ben Lively is back again. Art Warren, everybody forgot about Art Warren. How do you forget about Art Warren? That dude. Actually, I, actually, I'm kind of okay with Art Warren. I, I, I think he, you know, all the projections have him being lights out. He's fine. Yeah, I don't have any issues with Art Warren. Let's answer so, some questions. I'm tired. If Art Go Warren ahead. is your fifth best reliever in the moment. <laughs> Again, yeah, it gets back to it. Right, yeah. If if, if he's mopping up games, man, you're, you're great. But if he's <laughs> – No, we have to bring – we got to get this optimism level back up to where it was pre-lockout. Art Warren for Cy Young, you heard it here first. Yeah, I'm with you. We do need to, again, smile and try to enjoy it a little bit more. But that bullpen is not looking much better than last year's historically bad bullpen. But but unless Art Warren wins the Cy Young, as he probably will. Um, let's answer some questions, and then we'll uh, and then we'll get out of here. These questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontcency. Patreon.com slash riverfrontcency, where you two can support the show. Our first question comes from our friend James Urban. James has a, a couple here. We'll try to run through them quickly. First, last year I bought a Winker shirt and was gifted a Suarez jersey. So what the heck am I supposed to do with them now? Talk about unlucky. Ha ha. Um, yeah, what do, you, what do you do with those uh, old uh, jerseys uh, that, uh, for players that you don't long, that are no longer with the Reds? Do you, either of you all have any of those? You start a, uh, you get a pin pal from Seattle and do a jersey swap. Ooh, a jersey swap. I was going to say, just go ahead and track down some old King Griffey Jr. jerseys. Maybe you can pawn these and get a couple bucks and track down that. Why not, right? Maybe a Mike Cameron jersey. Oh, Mike Cameron. Hey, that's a deep cut. I like it. Um, I'm going to go with a Brett Boone Mariners jersey is where I'm going there. But um, James also says, how are you guys feeling about the start of the season? Is there anything to be excited about? I'm having a harder time finding it this year. Wondering if you guys feel the same. And this is going to be a topic I think we're going to talk about a lot here. You know what? It's baseball, and it's not life and life and death. And the Reds do have some guys that I really like to pull for. And Joey Votto still plays for this team. And are they going to win a World Series? Probably not. Okay, I'm breaking some news there. But ah, you know, whatever. Are you? Are we going to get upset 
about uh, a, about a baseball team. I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm just like, I'm just not going to upset. I'm going to try to enjoy the good moments. Either of you all have anything to add to that? Yeah, there's there's definitely things to get excited about. We have another year of Joey Votto. We've got Jonathan India, who is a stallion and has such a gorgeous flowing mane of hair that we get to watch all year long. We get uh, we get a root for a healthy Nick Senzel to have a comeback here. We got all the young guys in the rotation. Like it's, it's spring training. This is when you're supposed to start getting all romantic and you know getting in your feels about the baseball season. So get excited that we have baseball that it's back. That uh, you know we get to watch. Joey Votto for another year. There's, there's always something to be excited about. And you get to listen to us jibber-jabber once a week. <laughs> What's more exciting than that? Uh, don't answer that question, please. Uh, I will say Jonathan India is already rubbing off of the rest of the roster. We've seen Max Strock show up in camp with just a tremendous flow. Um, Jake Fraley, they traded for more flow. So it's a it's a very flow-tastic uh, uh, Reds roster right now, which you should pay attention to. Um, Tyler Stevenson. You want to look forward to something to watch yes. this year, Tyler Stevenson. Yes. Um, he's not going to be the everyday DH because he's going to be catching a lot, but he's going to get a chance to get a lot more at bats than I think he otherwise would have with that rule. And I am, for all the things that you could be excited about with the Reds, which there are a lot, which is part of the reason why we're so annoyed they tore it down. There's still right. some there, and Tyler Stevenson, I think, is going to mash this year. Mash is the best word I can come up with for it right now, but Tyler Stevenson's going to match this year. And I think that's when you got that from your catcher, that's uh that's a tremendous thing to have. So look forward to Tyler Stevenson. How about that? Love it. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I mean, again, again, it comes back to, I, I, I kind of caution myself. Don't get too frustrated because it is what it is, but yeah, I mean the, the, the young core that this team could have going forward and still could, could if they decided they wanted to build around them, but you know, Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India, and then you know Green and Lodolo, and I mean there's a there's a real group here that, uh, and then Barrero coming next, and Kyle Farmer, uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Farmer. Um, <laughs> all you had to do was add a little bit around it. So I'm trying not to get frustrated about that, but that doesn't mean that these guys like uh, the Stevensons and Indias and, and Barreros and Farmers, you shouldn't be less excited about. You know, they're still these are these are. You know, guys that I I like watching wear uh, the laundry that says Cincinnati across the front. So um, there are things to be excited about. You just maybe manage your expectations a little bit. And not that there's zero chance they're going to make the playoffs. Well, there's a question later to talk about that. But, you know, uh, we we also have Joey Votto every day. And, oh, by the way, guys, um, Wick, I don't think Wick, Wick doesn't know this, but I, I, I told Nate, hey, I spoke to Joey Votto this week. That was pretty cool. Yeah, interviewed him for a, uh, a piece that I'm writing for the magazine, and um, he could not have been uh, nicer, uh, even when I was drooling all over the telephone. So I was hoping anyway. Chad would tell me that they're best friends now, and they're going to get a place together to hang out in the off season. And- I was waiting for him to pull up one of these graphics. It was just a fourth screen with just Joey hopping in to say, hey, guys, what's going on? So um, <laughs> I did not ask him to join us. It's also not surprising that he ended up being like the coolest guy to talk to on the planet because that's exactly what he comes across as. So I'm glad to hear that's how that went. And oh, no. Yeah. Just do yourself a favor. Go follow him on Instagram. He's only got yes. like two posts, but they're already just gold. <laughs> yes. If he leans into that, he's going to be a, a, just a, a must follow. Go to Instagram. Yeah. The one he had today about. Uh, what he was planning to do, how I got on social media. Then he ended up by talking about how he was going to be posting all of his breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't know if y'all saw that one. (laughs) 
but uh, and then the way he had ended was perfect. So yeah, go follow Joey Votto. Um, all right, Kyle Kapler says I am done with this front office. They will be freely competitive this year, and it is so petty for them to be like this. <laughs> Although I am a fam of this latest signing, just hope it's more than a minor impact. Did I do a good job explaining my feelings? He asks. Yes, very good. And also, any chance they move India back to third? I think zero percent chance of that is uh, the answer to that question. But very clever. Um, does anybody think there's any chance? Why would I, I don't see any way they're going to move? Why would they move India? I know they need a third baseman, but no, I think they'll just yeah. Nobody wants to ask Jonathan India where he wants to be and let him go there. There we Maybe go. Maybe they'll they'll move him to center field and then move Nick Senzel back to second base. Um, because if you come up as a good infield prospect with the Reds, you got to spend time in the outfield. That's them, them's the rules. I saw someone, maybe it was you, uh, Wick, suggesting uh, giving uh, moving Senzel back to third base. Why not? He's played there before. Um, they need a third well, baseman. That's what he was. They need a third baseman. Like I, I kind of thought that was pretty obvious. And now they put out and signed five other outfielders. You know, what I mentioned earlier on the podcast and about there's got to be some other shoe to drop. Uh, I'm not suggesting Mike Moustakas is going to get jettisoned. I don't think they can move that contract. Uh, not without attaching Elliot of the Cruz to him, which I wouldn't put past him. But Put that into the ether. You keep signing all these outfielders, and it's like, uh, okay, well, what are you going to do with all of them? And Nixon Zell is literally a third baseman. You know, It's where he came up. It's where he was when he excelled. It's why you drafted him second overall and gave him six million bucks. Like, am I the only idiot out here who's like, why not just put the guy at third base and stop letting him run into walls and hurt his shoulders and just be Nick Senzel? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm out of my out of my element here, but uh, it just sure as heck seemed to me like a, a concept that should have a little bit more traction than it does right now. Yeah, no, it makes all kinds of sense. Uh, I was expecting the Reds would move him to every one of the other eight positions before they came back to third, but you're right, that it makes a lot of sense. Oh, our next question comes from our friend Joey Gaditza. Hey, guys, so signing fam is something to get excited about, right? I mean, it's something, I guess. Uh, you know, we've already pretty much answered that, but the answer is yes, it's something. It's uh, worth getting excited about. I like Tommy Pham. Uh, Jerry Sudduth, if the Reds platoon heavily this year, I can squint and see a somewhat competent lineup being built from the spare parts that comprise this club. Is this too much, uh, uh, too much of an optimistic look? And then the next question is a similar vein, and I want to ask both of you all this question. In conjunction, Hooper Powell, Hooper Powell asks, is Kroll smarter than we th- – well, no. Is Nick Kroll smarter than we think despite being handcuffed from a bad owner? Is this an 80 and 82 team, a team that could win 80 games? And I'll just tell you what I think. Yeah, they could win 80 games. They could win 82 games. I mean, I, it's not – that's within the, the band of possible outcomes. I'm not, I wouldn't bet the ranch on that, but – they're, again, they're, it's not the ninety-five lost teams of uh, that that four-year stretch. It's just they're not what they could be. You could kind of squint and see this team competing, right? Or am I am I wrong there? I'll let either one of you jump in. I want to jump in on that one. You're completely correct. Um, let's let's not kid around. This this team is not as good as, as it was last year. Crazier things have happened. If you break the right way. That Tommy uh, Fam signing really just. It makes the lineup make more sense. Um, our defense is going to be improved, so we're going to save some runs in that regard. We're going to hit lefties a whole lot better than we have over the last few years. Um, if we, you know, miraculously just get career years out of some of these people who have never had good seasons. You know, it happens all the time. 
And the um, truth is, I feel like I'm saying this. That, that's what I said. Those four years that the Reds lost 95 games it was like, all right, if you squint <laughs> and this guy does well, I feel like we're, they're not that bad. But I feel like I made that argument four straight seasons. I think well, just having some healthy guys gives them a chance too. If, if, since health, healthy, if Moose is healthy, health is gonna be a big, big thing. But it's it's a hundred games. It's not 162. Like, can this team be close enough to one of the 97 playoff spots that are now available? In, in Major League Baseball at 100 games or at 90 games? Is there going to be any wherewithal for them to add to this particular roster? Because I think this particular roster, if everything goes incredibly well, could be in the mix to say, hey, we shed, you know, at this point, what, $25 million off of payroll from last year, and suddenly we're a game over 500 after 90 games. And we got a young roster. We got a young core. Um, you know, maybe we thought about picking up Tommy Pham preseason so we could trade him at the deadline, but now maybe there's the idea that we go get one more piece. And if you get one more piece, where does that push you towards? I, I think there's the chance, you know, uh, if you look at fan graphs, they're not giving the Reds 0% chance. They're giving them a very slight chance. And I think there is a very slight chance. A lot has to go right, but I think the Reds are banking on, and this is from the guy who just said Tyler Stevenson's going to mash. Uh, the next kind of wave of Reds players has to step up and play well. And if Jonathan India does what he did, Stevenson takes that next step, Senzel stays healthy, Jake Fraley is more than zero wins, you can see that it could be in the mix. It's just going to take a lot of things going as right as they could be for it to be a scenario like that. Yeah, but, no, it's uh, that's a completely fair. <laughs> See, I mean, I'm telling you, there's a chance. Yeah, it's it's completely fair. I just um, again, I'm not going to bet the ranch on it, but you absolutely could see we're uh, in July and the Reds have got out to a hot start somehow, and uh, the, the the rotation was held together until uh, uh, Mike Miner returned or Luis Castillo maybe. But um, and then Bob Castellini has a lucid day and opens up the uh, Cincinnati Enquirer print edition that was delivered to his doorstep and um, and says, "Wait a minute, we're in second place." Okay, go. Spend some more money, okay? Because the Reds are not that far from being at least a playoff competitive team. They're really not. Even after all this mess, they're not that far off. So, I, you know, I don't know. Do I see it happening? No, I'm, I'm not going to. But um, but we can always we can always hope, I think, right? We can always hope. That's, that's all. But, that's unfortunately about all we've been able to do for most of our that's, lifetimes. That's why we're still here, right? <laughs> you know, after all the last 32 years, that's why we're still here. Yeah. Uh, if we didn't have a, a little bit of hope, there'd be no reason at all to be here. So, yeah. A couple more questions. Uh, last one Reds related here is this one uh, from Nathan Sturworth. When the Reds decided to tender Amir Garrett arbitration, do you think they saw him as part of the 2020 bull, 2022 bullpen? Or do you think they plan to trade him for a player who makes the same money as Wade Miley? Or are they just making up things as they go? Yes. Seems that way. I don't, there's no plan. There was no plan there. And, you know, uh, by the way, a requiem from here, Garrett. I always enjoyed having you around the Reds. You were not great in recent times, but I always enjoyed you on the roster. Um, I hope you have much success in Kansas City, but no, there was no plan. All right. One last question. I was just saying, so I, think oh, they view every, I think they view every bullpen arm as expendable. And, and if they can get something for them, they're out the door. I think that will continue because 
it's what they've shown over the last couple of years, which is if you're a bullpen arm and that's all you are, A, we're not committing a lot of money to you, and B, we'll churn it. That's that's how they operate. I thought when they originally had Kyle Bodie come in, I thought that's how that was going to be, is they'll just develop guys who can throw you 60 innings and then trade them for what you can get and try it again next time. And uh, Bodie's gone, but that sure as heck seems like their, their strategy back there right now. I try to imagine a, a world in which, uh, and maybe this is in the, in the multiverse, the Reds just paid uh, pick up Wade Miley's option. They did not feel the need to trade Jesse Winker. Um, they did not trade feel the need to trade Sonny Gray. And so then the Reds trade Amir Garrett for Mike Miner. <laughs> you know, and, and all of a sudden I could not be more ex- just that that just not not trading away everybody else. Not make all those moves, and then just make this one deal. And all of a sudden, I'm like, "Whoa, this!" You know, not that Mike Miner's great, but oh man, he's a number five starter, or you know, uh, depth when people get hurt. And I'm extremely excited about this team at that point. Um, we we're not we're not there. So, oh, all right, that's enough uh, about that. We have one other question that I'm going to dive into very quickly because the only people that care are me and the person that asked this question, I guess. Um, and it comes from our friend Joe Farsing. Uh, Chadwick, I think that's just directed at me, not Chad and Wick. But what are your top five noir films? You know, I like uh, I like the movies. It's Oscar week. I'm excited about Oscar week. I'm the only person probably on earth that's still excited about Oscar week. But f- I like film noir. That's one of my favorite uh, genres of film. So I am going to give you quick my top five. Number one, by far, not even close. Double Indemnity, uh, Billy Wilder movie from 1944. If you have not seen Double Indemnity, featuring the dad from. Uh, my Three Sons or whatever that show was back in the day, uh, Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. That movie is Inner Circle, Five Stars, a Hall of Fame. Um, I would say also Sunset Boulevard, another Billy Wilder movie. Uh, I would add there The Maltese Falcon, 1941. These are these black and white kind of crime films uh, from the 40s and 50s that uh, The Maltese Falcon is up there. I would say... Um, Oh, what else do we have? Um, the Killing, a Stanley Kubrick movie. Sweet Smell of Success. That's actually probably higher on the list. Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis. And then uh, my final one probably is going to be uh, Laura, an Otto Preminger film. There. Anybody have any comments on my film noir uh, movies? You all love all those films, I'm sure, right? I'm not up to snuff on my Otto Preminger catalog, but I'll work on that. I've heard of two of them. Oh, there I've you go. Seen, I've seen Maltese Falcon several times. It's um, great. It's a tremendous movie. Tremendous movie. Yes. You all want to make a prediction on which uh, film is going to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards this weekend? Do you know who's even nominated? I'm going to guess Coda, even though I haven't seen it. I am not. Coda. Yeah. I am not a, uh, a breast of movie. Um, anything at this point in time so <laughs> i'm i'm out of that loop i think i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take this opportunity to blame my my 14 month old daughter because the last year has been a little bit of a for for me around here um and i have not seen i saw the green knight which apparently did not get nominated for anything um, but good good movie good movie but i have not seen enough movies over the last year to have any frame of reference for what's going to happen in the Oscars coming up. Well, that's the way uh, I was when my children were your age as well. So I understand completely, uh, but uh, might have aged out of that a little bit. So um, 
uh, Coda, if you haven't seen Coda, I don't know. I don't think it's going to win Best Picture, but it should win Best Picture. Uh, it's just amazing. Children of Deaf Adults is what Coda stands for. And it's just, I think the the, the father in that movie is going to win the Best uh, Supporting Actor. Just amazing. Uh, I think The Power of the Dog is probably going to win. Uh, it's not my favorite movie of the year, but it was good. Um, I did see that. Uh, Actually, I didn't know it was nominated. I saw that on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna win Best Picture. If I were p- choosing, uh, I think what should win, Coda I could buy, but also Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest. That that was the best movie I saw this year. So Licorice Pizza. All right, that's enough of that nonsense. Nobody cares about. I'm not sure anybody cares about the Reds anymore, but we still talk about them every week. Um, Nate, do you have any final thoughts about uh, the week that was? Uh, not so much the week. Just uh, reiterating that we're bringing we're bringing the energy back. We're you know about two weeks out from opening day. We've got. Joey Votto hitting 40 home runs. Jonathan India for MVP. Senzel comeback player of the year. Uh, Tyler Stevenson get a silver slugger. Um, Lodolo, rookie of the year. And Luis Castillo for Cy Young. It's all happening. Reds maybe just go undefeated and win the whole thing. Wire to wire. Sign me up. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Wick, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, If you are interested in uh, persuading the owner of the Cincinnati Reds to perhaps – take his financial woes when it comes to making money off the Cincinnati Reds and cash in for a cool $1.2, $1.4 billion. Um, there's a way to persuade him, apparently. And it's the GoFundMe that Chad's going to throw on this screen here in a minute. There it is right there. Uh, check that out. Um, it took me all of an hour and one minute to be converted to this cause. Um, and so check it out. If you got a few spare bucks, throw it up there. And if you happen to live in the Cincinnati area, also uh, drive around and see it. Take pictures of it. Um, there's a hashtag up there, which means you can share it every time you drive past it. Uh, maybe do that and just see what happens. I don't know. Uh, it's, if, if nothing else, we're going to have some fun with it in the coming weeks. All right, guys, this was fun. I, I'm with, I, you know, the, okay, we got this funny, uh, sell the Bob team, Bob thing we're doing, but hey, there's some fun things about this team. I, I, I really want to try to focus on that going forward uh, rather than the misery that Cassidy has caused us, but. Sell um, the Bob team. <laughs> sell the Bob team. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Thank you all for listening to us. You can, you can, uh, follow us at youtube.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Mm. Give us a like, smash that subscribe button. We're at, at, at Riverfront Cincy, Cincy on uh, Riverfront Cincy, easy for me to say, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you go, and then patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Uh, you know, if you want to hang out with the, uh, the the cool guys in the inner circle. Uh, gang, this was fun. I really, uh, really enjoyed it uh, for Nate Dodson and Wick Terrell and for Kyle Farmer, the GOAT. This is Chad Dodson saying, So long, everyone.